have your Bible, we'd like to stand with me. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We are doing a an expository, an expanded expository study through Hebrews chapter 11. We started uh, two weeks ago with the first lesson and actually started in chapter 10 and verse 38 and kind of gave and then picked back up in chapter 12 and verses 1, 2, and 3 and kind of gave the... Uh, framework or the context into which Hebrews chapter 11 is written. If you haven't heard that or you'll miss that, it is available on our website or our podcast and kind of fill you in on where we are and where we're going. Amen? But today we're going to look at the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Amen. Steps of faith. We're going to talk this morning about confident faith, or faith that is my evidence. Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for the word of God. And I'm asking the next few moments, Lord, you let the power of that word speak into our hearts, our lives. Let it touch us. Let it challenge us. Uh, amen. Let it, let it cause us to grow into the people that you called us to be. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated. Most of the prophet Jeremiah's life was spent ministering in a country that was backslidden and approaching the impending judgments of God. He was born and raised a few miles northeast of Jerusalem, and he was close enough to see what was happening there, but far enough away not to fall under the influence of those that were swiftly leading their nation into disaster. Jeremiah was born in the lineage of the priesthood. He was a Levite, but he was called by God to be a prophet and to condemn the nation that had walked away from God. While he was still just a young man, God laid that calling on his life. And over the next 40 years, his whole life would be a prophetic ministry. In addition to the stirring messages and prophecies that God gave him that he would, he would speak forth, Many times God uh, required actions of Jeremiah that spoke louder than the words he ordered. Like the prophet Hosea, God often called Jeremiah to act out his faith. And sometimes even Jeremiah questioned the things that God asked him to do. But his obedience, the fact that he did those things, stands throughout the ages as a testimony to the depth of his faith in the promises of God. Now, I don't have the time today to cover the complete history of Jeremiah's ministry, but I do want to draw from a specific event that took place in the 10th year of Zedekiah's reign. It was a volatile time. The dark prophecies of Jeremiah were in the process of coming to pass. Zedekiah had allied himself with certain foreign kings that were committed to throwing off the yoke of Babylonian uh, authority while paying lip service to the Babylonian Empire. There was treachery in their plans. They were, uh, they were saying one thing, but they were doing another. And eventually their plans came to the attention of Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of Babylon. And in response, he besieged, he laid siege to 
Jerusalem. He invaded Judah, and he besieged the holy city of Jerusalem. And as events continued to unfold around him, Jeremiah continued to prophesy. Downfall is coming. Destruction is coming. Judgment is coming. And he prophesied that Zedekiah's kingdom was going to come to ruin and the holy city was going to fall into the hand of the Babylonians. And because of that, Zedekiah put him in prison. Tried to shut up the prophet. Tried to shut up the word of God. You know the word of God's not confined. You can put it in a prison, but it still works. Amen. As a matter of fact, the word of God came to Jeremiah in the prison and the message that god had for jeremiah seemed to defy logic god told jeremiah that his cousin hanamel would be coming with an offer to sell a piece of property in their hometown of anathoth 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 give up one of them old things it's anathoth it's got that TH in there twice, and it'll run you in the... I practiced that just so I could flub it up. Amen? Anathoth. What makes the property so interesting is that it was land that had already been seized by the invading armies of Babylon. The field that he was coming to sell was virtually worthless, and he knew it. And Jeremiah knew it. According to Jeremiah's own prophecy, when the Babylonians came in, it would be 70 years before the Babylonian captivity would come to an end. And Jeremiah, by this point, is an old man. And there is no way that he will ever reap any benefit from purchasing a field that he can't possess for the next 70 years. Amen. There's no chance that he's ever going to live to see the end of the coming captivity. And that's exactly why God told him to buy the field. You see, that's what faith is all about. It's about obeying God in spite of what we see, in spite of what we understand, in spite of the limitations of our, our, our knowledge and all of our understanding, in spite of how we feel, in spite of what is going on around us. It's very easy for Jeremiah to say, you know what, God, this don't make any sense. Amen. I've only got so much money in the bank, and you want me to go buy a piece of land that I'll never see, that I'll never possess. But by purchasing the field that was already possessed by the enemy, what Jeremiah was doing was he was declaring that he had confidence in the promise of God. The word of God said the enemy's going to come in, he's going to ruin, and he's going to bring destruction, and he's going to bring judgment, but this is going to pass, amen. There's going to come a day 70 years from now when deliverance is going to come, and liberty's going to come, and they're going to return to that land again, and they're going to possess that land again. And so Jeremiah defied conventional wisdom and human understanding when he bought the land, and Brother Larry, he... He bought it at full price. You know, this is a perfect opportunity to kind of do a little dealing and wheeling. And, and you know, well, you can just about pay whatever you want to pay because the, the land is, is worthless. It's virtually worthless. But Jeremiah paid exactly what was asked. He didn't try to drive a bargain because he recognized what I'm doing here. It's more important than saving a dollar or two. 
what I'm doing here is establishing my faith. I'm letting the whole nation see I believe in what God has said through me. I believe that one day we're going to plant vineyards again. One day we're going to build houses again. One day they're going to give a marriage again. One day there's going to be a celebration again. One day we're going to possess that land again. And it would seem from the perspective of human wisdom that this purchase was the result of some kind of wishful thinking or some blind leap of faith. That's exactly how the world tries to categorize faith as a blind blind leap, as a, as a blind trust, as wishful thinking. I want you to understand in this house, when we talk about steps of faith and we talk about the faith that the, the Hebrew white writer describes to us, we're not talking about wishful thinking. Uh, we're not talking about faith in the uh, blind trust trust in the face of contrary evidence. We're not talking about the product uh, of a blind leap. Uh, biblical faith, the kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews is writing about is a settled confidence uh, in the things that God has promised. Uh, the things that have been spoken uh, but have not yet been seen. And that is exactly what Jeremiah's story exemplifies. It was an act of faith that bought the field. It was Jeremiah putting his money where his mouth is and buying into the promise of God. And it was by the word of God that he had declared that even as bleak as the future looked at that moment, even though it, there was an uncertain future, there was a day coming seven decades in the future when once again they would buy and sell vineyards in that land. When once again they would build homes and have families and enjoy peace and prosperity in the land that God had given them. So when Jeremiah bought the field, he was making the declaration that he had full confidence in the Word of God. That's faith. Amen. Brother Dennis, I didn't give you my scriptures ahead of time, but if you put Dennis's, blah, 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 Dennis's. If you put Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, say, God bless the pastor. Hey, every now and then I get tangled, and two and two doesn't quite equal up to five but I just keep on going anyway. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Faith is founded on the promise of God. And so the writer of Hebrews admonishes us before we ever get to chapter 11 to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And then he gives us the basis uh, for that command uh, because the faithfulness of God is an assurance. Uh, he's going to do what he said he would do. Uh, amen. He who promised is faithful. It gives us a glimpse of what faith is. Faith is a confident obedience to the Word of God. It's a confidence that holds fast to the promises of God regardless of the circumstances. Listen, faith doesn't try to twist God's arm. Faith doesn't try to coerce God. Faith doesn't try to conjure something up from wishful thinking. Faith doesn't try to force God to do something outside of his will or his plan. Faith agrees with God. Faith is based on the promise of God. Faith is based on the word of God. Faith begins with God and it ends with God. It is a settled belief in the word of God. 
That's the faith that Hebrews chapter 11 presents to us. By faith, Noah built an ark. But it wasn't his idea. The plan came from God. And when he built that ark, they laughed at him and mocked him. But he was faithfully obedient because he believed in a word that he had not seen come to pass yet. By faith, Abraham left everything that he had known and journeyed in search of a land of promise. But it wasn't his idea. It was God who called him and said, come out from among them. Amen. And where you go, wherever you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. And it was faith in an unseen promise uh, that compelled Abraham uh, to walk the length and the breadth and the width uh, and the depth uh, of the promised land. By faith, the scripture says, Sarah conceived a child. But you know the story as well as I do. Both Abraham and Sarah first laughed at the proposition. But God promised it to them before they even believed it. And it was faith in an unseen promise that ultimately brought it to pass. By faith, the scripture says, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. But only after the Israelites obeyed the word of God and marched around the walls of that city over and over again as we journey through Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to see biblical faith uh, and we're going to see that it is in harmony with the word of God. Uh, It's completely in line with the plan and the purpose of God. It's built on a confidence in the promises of God. Sometimes we misunderstand faith and we understand it to be some powerful force by which we can bring into existence anything we hope for. Faith is only as good as its source. Faith is only as good as a thing that faith is placed in. And when faith is placed in the Word of God and the promise of God, my friend, it's as good as it gets. But when faith is placed in anything else, It's empty, shallow, doesn't have the ability to produce. Amen? God is the one that told Jeremiah, the field's going to have value again. Somewhere in the unseen future, in a generation you can't even begin to imagine, 70 years from now, people you've never seen, a people you've never known, a people who are, 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 maybe they're just babies right now. Maybe there'll be some 70-year-olds uh, that'll occupy that land, but the majority of them aren't born yet. Uh, amen. But they're going to occupy a land of promise. Uh, and Jeremiah is saying, you know what? I just believe the Word of God. I, I can't see it with my eyes. Uh, I don't understand it with my mind. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but I'm going to buy the field. Uh, Because I believe the word of God. That's what faith is. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer presents us in the first verse with a description of faith. We've used it for years as a definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's a real great definition, one that most of you can quote but not always one that we understand real well. Substance and evidence. And what, is, what is the writer saying? The two key words there are substance and evidence, and they are in and of themselves powerful testimonies to the nature of faith. Substance is derived from the Greek word hypostasis, which is a contraction of two words, the Greek word hupo, which means under, 
and the Greek word stasis, which means to stand. And it is by definition that which stands under or a foundation. Faith then, when the scripture says faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's saying that faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It's the substance that stands under our hope. This tells us that hope uh, is built on faith, not the other way around. Faith isn't built on hope. Hope is built on faith. Amen. My faith uh, is what empowers uh, the hope that God has placed within me. Amen. My hope may be in things unseen, but it's not founded on things unknown. It's the Word of God. It's the promise of God. Hope can fully invest itself in what it has not yet seen because hope has full confidence uh, in the Word of God that has declared what has not been seen will be seen. Hope is founded on the truth that He who promised is faithful. Hope is invested in things yet unseen because it fully believes that the God who spoke those things will bring them to pass. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Several translations render that word substance as title deed. The reason they do that is because the original Greek word was commonly used as a legal term that describes the whole body of documents that have a bearing on the ownership of a piece of property. It's the title deed. It's that thing that provides the evidence of ownership. That understanding leads us to the second phrase that appears in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. The Greek word behind evidence reflects this thought, the means by which a thing is proven. One can invest their hope in unseen things because the evidence of faith declares that the one who promised uh, to bring those things to pass uh, has never failed. Uh, his word has never returned to him void. Uh, he's always delivered on his promise. So faith is the title deed to things we now hope for. It is the assurance that God will deliver to us the promise that remains yet unseen. Sister McCall is always speaking in faith about what's gonna, what God's going to do in that building next door. She said in the prayer room this morning, she started telling again the things that she feels like God's going to do. I've learned a long time ago to listen to that, amen, because there's something about faith that sees things that are yet unseen, that claims things that the whisper of the voice of God has spoken into the spirit, amen, that reaches beyond what I can understand and what I can see and, and believes that God is able to do more than I could ever do for myself or by myself. Amen? There's a lot of significance in the idea of a title deed. You see, I, I don't receive the title to a piece of property until I own it. And as long as I don't have the title, I don't really own it. Amen? I bought my house, but the title's sitting in a bank vault somewhere because bank has a lien on my title 
as long as they have a lien on that title. I don't have clearly established ownership of the property. They've got a uh, a stake in it, amen. They've got some investment in it. And if my house burns down, the insurance, God forbid that my house would burn down. But if it does, the insurance will write a check, but they won't write it just to me, Brother Andrew. They'll write it to me and to my insurance because my insurance has some ownership uh, of my property. And until I pay them off, uh, they've got some claim uh, to what I have. But once I pay them off, you know what they'll do? I've never paid a house off, but I've paid vehicles off. And they send that little letter in the mail. And in that letter is my title deed. Amen. And that title says, I don't owe anybody anything. This belongs to me. It is mine. Amen. It is the evidence that I possess it. It is the evidence that I own it. Nobody can say anything different because I've got the deed to it. I know who it belongs to. It belongs to me. Amen. And there's nothing that anybody can do that can change that as long as I have the deed and pay my taxes. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But faith is the deed that establishes our ownership of things unseen. We can fully invest our hope in the things that have not yet come to pass because of the evidence of faith. Faith is my title deed. Amen. Faith is my evidence. Uh, I own the promises of God through my faith. Uh, I can't see them yet, uh, but they're mine by faith. Uh, My faith says uh, that he who promised uh, is faithful, and if he said it, he's going to do it. Amen. It says that my hope is founded upon the word of God and his word has never, ever failed. So when God told Jeremiah to buy a field and a land that was already occupied by the enemy, he enacted an illustration of faith in action. So Jeremiah bought the land right there in the prison, even though uh, the enemy possessed it, even though others were in charge of it. Amen. He couldn't take possession of it. The enemy was camped there. The armies of Babylon were there to defy any claim to ownership. Uh, But right there in the confines of the court of the prison, uh, he set in motion a faith that would transcend his life. He weighed the money, the Scripture says. He gathered the witnesses. He signed the deed. And he placed his seal upon it. It was all done according to the law. And ownership was transferred. uh, And the deed was registered. Then the Bible says that Jeremiah took the deed and he sealed it in a clay jar. Why put the deed in a clay jar? I can tell you why. A couple just... 50, 60, maybe 70 years ago, some little shepherd boys were playing in the rocks outside of Bethlehem, playing in the caves and caverns, and one of them picked up a rock and threw it into a cave. And back near the back of the cave, there came the tinkle of breaking clay. Those boys went in, and what they found there were what we call the Dead Sea Scrolls, perfectly preserved and sealed clay pots were documents that were thousands of years old. A copy of the book of Isaiah 
word for word the same as the older copies that were already in possession of, of, of historians and archaeologists. But a copy of the book of Isaiah is in those scrolls, in those, those pots, and it's perfectly preserved. What Jeremiah was doing when he put that title deed uh, in that that clay vessel he was saying I don't know how long it's going to take but somewhere down the road somebody's going to need this title deed they're going to open it up and they're going to recognize the faithfulness of God and so through his act of faith Jeremiah became the proud owner of a field that he would never see he became the owner of a field that was possessed by his enemy a field that would not be liberated for at least 70 years and Jeremiah knew it but faith field hope said there's a day coming when this deed is going to matter so I'm going to preserve it there's a day coming when this deed is going to be important. Uh, there's a day coming uh, when that land will be plowed again, when the vineyards will be planted again, when the homes will be built again. Uh, so he put that deed sealed in its clay pot in the hands of a scribe and charged him with the preservation of it. And the deed is never mentioned again in Scripture or in history. In all likelihood, it's still sitting in the back of some deep, dark cave somewhere on that land that Jeremiah bought. And one of these days, a little shepherd boy is going to chunk a rock into a cave and hear the tinkle of broken clay. And when he investigates, he's going to find the title deed to that property with Jeremiah's own seal upon it. And the whole world will stand testimony to the faithfulness of God. Uh, for that land uh, that Jeremiah bought uh, is today possessed uh, by the children of Israel. That land uh, now belongs to the people of God, just like God promised. The thing that validated the title deed was the signature of the witnesses. It's not enough for me to come and say I'm going to sell and I'm going to sell to him. He's going to buy from me and we both signed the document. But you got to have somebody independent, somebody trustworthy. You get Kate or maybe I better get Brother Larry or somebody to come up and sign that document with me. That, that they stand witness that the ownership of the property has been transferred. It's the witnesses that confirm the evidence. Now listen, this, this is how you understand Hebrews chapter 11. What the writer of Hebrews is doing is he's providing the witnesses that validate your faith. He doesn't just tell us that he who promised is faithful. The writer produces the evidence of God's faithfulness. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 is in your Bible, because it's a testimony of the witnesses that reminds us of the faithfulness of God. If he did it for them, then he will do it for me. That's the significance of the great cloud of witnesses. They remind us of the faithfulness of God. They produce the evidence that becomes the foundation for our hope. And here's the truth. Somewhere along the way, 
Life is going to rear its ugly head. And circumstances are going to try to rob you of your faith in the promises of God. It happened to Jeremiah after he registered the title deed, after he sealed it in clay pots, uh, after he gave it to the scribe to care for it so that it would survive the years of captivity. The scripture tells us then Jeremiah began to question himself and God. Uh, he began to ask God, why did you have me publicly purchase that land? Uh, it seems so silly now. Uh, it seems so much of a desperate thing now. It seems to be a, a futile effort. The land is barren. Uh, there are no vines in the vineyard. Uh, the enemy has possessed it and robbed it of all of its value. It seems like a hopeless situation. You can mark it down. This world's going to challenge your faith. Circumstances are going to rise up to call your promise into question. The enemy is going to try to undermine your ownership of the promise of God. Things in this life are going to happen that cause us to face the reality that we put our hope in things we can't see. We put our hope in things we can't understand. It's easy to believe in tangible things that you can touch. But it's a difficult thing to maintain faith in things that you can't touch. Things that are beyond you. Things that are beyond your understanding. And so situations will come and mock us. The enemy will try to undermine that faith. Things in life will happen that cause us to begin to question and, and perhaps even consider forsaking our promise. But my friend, that's when you need to establish the foundation of your hope. That's when you need to remind yourself of the evidence. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is for. The best way to strengthen faith is through the witness of faith. You know the story. David sat in Saul's tent and that big mighty Goliath roaring in the valley. And he looked at that ugly old Philistine. And he said, you know what? I've never fought a giant. But God delivered me from a bear. And God delivered me from a lion. And the same God that delivered me from a bear and a lion will deliver me from that giant. He's still able. That's what the writer is doing throughout the whole of the book of Hebrews, but particularly in the, in the 11th chapter. He is establishing the fact that he who promised is faithful. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is. It's a reminder of the many times that God delivered on his word. It provides the evidence that supports our hope. And as we read through its verses, we're reminded that he is faithful. And we're challenged to believe that if he didn't fail then, he won't fail now. The second verse says, For by it, the, by it, it being faith, the elders obtained a good report. So this is how the elders obtained a good report. They held on to their hope with confidence that God would deliver on his promises. Amen. The Bible said Abraham lived in the land of promise in tents. He never bought a house. He never settled there. He never became a part of that culture. Amen. But he lived his days in faith believing God is going to give me this land. It belongs to me and my children. Amen. This year, our theme is step by step. 
we've undertaken this study of Hebrews chapter 11 because we want to walk in the same steps of faith that those mighty heroes of the faith walked in. By it, they received a good report. And we want to walk in that same faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God speaks his promises, and faith believes in those promises. It's that faith based on the promise of God that becomes the foundation of our hope. That's why you can have confidence in it, because you know the source of it. It didn't come from me, amen. It's not something I conjured up uh, on my own. I, I didn't call myself uh, into this, uh, amen. I didn't make up my mind that I was going to do it. God called me into this, amen. And it came from God, uh, and God spoke it into my heart, uh, and God gave me a promise uh, and God said he was going to do it uh, and God called me to strive uh, for a heavenly city uh, and if he called me my friend uh, my confidence is in the fact that he's going to deliver on his word amen that's the knowledge that gives us the confidence to stand in our hope in things unseen even when the world defies that even when the things we can see are against it God will do what he promised he would do. So I come to this pulpit this morning with a simple message. Don't give up on your promise. Don't back up on God's word. He who promised is faithful. He's proven it over and over and over again, time after time, through the ages and beyond. He is faithful. Finally, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In a final effort to describe faith before he rolls out the great cloud of witnesses. The author turns to the most obvious reason that we should put our confidence in things unseen. Directing us to look upon the whole of creation, he declares that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God speaking into a vast expanse of nothingness spoke the worlds into existence uh, and everything that we can see uh, was made out of things we can't see uh, and so the writer of Hebrews says uh, that when you look at the things that you can see and they seem to defy the things that have been promised uh, you need to remember uh, you need to remind yourself uh, that the God who made everything that you can see uh, made it out of things that you can't see uh, amen and he can bring that which is yet unseen to pass in your life. He's well able. If he said it, he's going to do it. Amen? No one would deny the reality of this physical world that's very real to us. But there was a time in distant history when it existed only in the mind of God. It was once an unseen promise. It was once an unseen reality. But God's word brought it into being. And so the writer of Hebrews says the first evidence of the faithfulness of God is the very world in which you live. 
out of nothing he made everything out of nothing uh, he caused everything that is to come into being uh, he brought all of this to pass uh, and if he did that he's able to deliver on his promise to you amen would you stand with me james moffat in his study of these verses reached a threefold conclusion first he said faith is a belief in god against this world Second, he said, faith is a belief in the spirit against the senses. And third, he said, faith is a belief in the future against the present. You see, this world tries its best to get you to settle for the present. But faith says, I'm living for a land. I'm living for a promise. I'm living for a hope. That is beyond what I can see. It's beyond what I can understand. This world tries to get you to settle for what is around you and settle for position and settle for wealth and settle for, for uh, material goods and settle for a shallow form of, of happiness and joy. Amen. But faith compels you to reach for something that's beyond what you can see and that's beyond what you can understand uh, and lay a hold of the promises of God uh, that exist somewhere over the horizon of your faith. Today, I want to encourage somebody. I want to encourage you to reach out in faith. To recognize that faith denies what it can see and understand and reaches for that which remains unseen. No matter what this world says. No matter what my senses say. No matter what my present circumstance says. Faith reaches for the future. It's an investment in the promise of God. It's the substance of the things we hope for. It's the evidence of the things we have not yet seen. So I want to encourage you in this house on a Sunday morning to walk in the steps of that same faith, that faith that is described in Hebrews chapter 11. Don't let what you can see rob you of what you cannot see. Don't let what is going on in the present rob you of a better future. Don't let the fact that there's opposition cause you to abandon your hope. Whatever you do, don't abort the promise of God in your life because he isn't finished yet, my friend. Uh, there's more to this story than what you can see and what you can understand. Uh, amen. You can draw your confidence uh, from his record. He is faithful. and You can trust him this morning because he's not abandoned you. And he's not forsaken you. And if you'll just keep walking in faith, he's going to bring you through your valley. If you'll just keep walking in faith, he's going to bring you to your promise. If you'll keep walking in faith, one day you're going to stand victorious on the other side if you just keep believing. That's how the elders obtained a good report. That's the challenge of Hebrews chapter 11. I want to I wanna speak into the heart of somebody under the, under the sound of my voice this morning. Amen. That the circumstances of life have done their best to rob you of your faith in the promise of God. Maybe, maybe it's a promise that a lost loved one's coming back. Maybe it's a promise that, that, that he's going to save your family. Maybe it's just a, that, 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 that heaven seems so distant sometimes. Uh, and this world seems so immediate sometimes. 
times. Uh, and if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in what's going on down here to the extent that we sacrifice uh, that which we're living for. But the writer of Hebrews writes to compel us uh, not to get lost in what's going on right here and right now, but to set our focus on things that are yet unseen and to believe that the promise of God is going to come to pass in my life and in yours. I believe it'd be okay on a Sunday morning to find a place of prayer and simply turn your heart towards heaven and ask him, Lord, would you renew my faith? Would you renew my faith? There are some unseen promises. There are some unseen things that God wants to do that he's promised, he's spoken to your heart and to your life that have not yet come to pass. Don't give up hope now. Don't abandon them now. Don't back up now. He who promised, he's faithful. Amen. He's going to deliver. He's going to do what he said he would do. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It's time to reach out and touch unseen things. It's trying to reach out and lay hold of and claim things that remain as of yet unseen. Would you turn your heart towards heaven? Would you reach out to him right now?